NPR. China is experiencing a case of the economic doldrums. Last week, consumer prices fell further, and that can be really toxic for an economy. Exports are in the dumps. Its stock market's been on the slide for years. Perhaps most worryingly, its property sector is mired in this really nasty slump as well. And with China's real estate developers drowning in debt, one company takes a cake with debts worth around $300 billion. Evergrande. $300 billion. And that, yeah, that, that, that debt load is roughly the size of Finland's entire annual economic output. Yeah, and two weeks ago, a court in Hong Kong ordered part of the Evergrande company to liquidate. In other words, to sell off its assets and close down. And figuring out how to deal with this gargantuan failed company and the real estate market in general has been a question mark hanging over the Chinese authorities. Some have even speculated whether Evergrande could lead to a series of cascading failures that could undermine the entire Chinese economy. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Paddy Hirsch. And I'm Darian Woods. And today on the show, one of the biggest company collapses in recent times. But is this liquidation a systemic threat to the economy of China and the world? Well, we'll go through the court order just so you know how much to worry. That's all after the break. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Employees are the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers group dental, vision, life, and disability plans designed to protect them. Exceptional service, broad networks, and modern benefits. That's the power of human care. This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 Threat Report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com NPR. Our guide to the liquidation of China Evergrande Group and also the wider Chinese property slump is John Ruich. John is NPR's China affairs correspondent in Shanghai. And just to set the scene, John, how important is real estate for people in China? It's been very important. It, it basically underpinned China's historic boom, you know, and it has accounted for about 20% of the Chinese economy. But uh, at the moment, a lot of people are suffering, right? This is not only an asset bubble that's been popped, so a store of wealth that's shrunk, uh, but there are untold numbers of people in China who paid in advance for apartments that, because of this property crisis, are not being finished. And they're struggling to get their houses or to get what's owed them back. And some people and firms have been lending money as investors into Evergrande, and they've been taking Evergrande to court. This decision in Hong Kong is particularly interesting. So what exactly did it say? 
a judge named Linda Chan said, first of all, it's not in dispute that this company is grossly insolvent, that it's unable to pay its debts. She detailed months and months of negotiations with people and these companies who we, you were just talking about who have lent money or invested in Evergrande about restructuring the company. And she said basically that the company had delayed putting a restructuring proposal in place and said enough is enough, uh, that it would be better for everybody if they just wound up the company and divvied up the assets. But to understand what this means, though, the first thing that's sort of critical to understand is what company exactly she's talking about, right? Because Evergrande is this sprawling empire of companies. Yeah. So you would think China Evergrande Group referred to Evergrande, but it's not quite as simple as that, is it? Yeah, not at all. So the company in question is a Cayman Islands holding company listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, that raised money for the Evergrande Group, which is the broader company. It's not the entire group itself. I spoke to Alexander Lok about this. He's a professor of law at the City University of Hong Kong, and here's how he described it. This is the company which the group of companies uses in order to raise finance uh, for finances outside of China. And this company will then channel the finance to the various entities within China and outside China as the needs arise. Foreign creditors and shareholders are going after it because it became clear long ago that Evergrande was in trouble after the government basically broke its business model with regulations to curb the housing bubble. And so the court finally threw up its hands and said, enough, let's extract whatever value we can get from uh, the accessible assets that this company still has, chase its debts inside and outside China, and divvy it up. Okay, so an arm of Evergrande that raised money overseas for the company is now being liquidated. How does that actually work? There have been professional liquidators appointed by the court, and they effectively come in and take over the company. It's literally two people from a consultancy, plus probably an army of associates, whose job is to go in and wind down this company. They displace the management, and then they get their hands on the books. Uh, Here's Alexander Lok again. They have to then decide uh, what are the assets of the company, and what they are worth, and try to sell off these assets so that they can generate the cash by which to pay the creditors. And that's the start of a long and very complex process. And what kind of assets does the company have? Well, this company in particular has three pools of assets that were identified in the uh, court ruling. One is shares in a property management company, an Evergrande property management company. Another one is investments in things like electric cars and hybrid cars and also healthcare, if you can believe it. Okay, pretty broad portfolio there. Yeah, the third is investments in holding companies with hundreds of subsidiaries, which has billions of dollars worth of assets that are the main way that Evergrande develops property. Those are in China, those are outside of China. And altogether, according to this court ruling, it looks like they're worth about 25 to $30 billion. Okay, so 25 to $30 billion on paper, but what's it going to take to actually get some of that money back? Well, that's where it gets tricky, right? The entities who are going after Evergrande in this case are considered shareholders of this Hong Kong offshore financing vehicle. Okay, stick with me. Okay. As you know, when a company is liquidated, there's a pecking order, a hierarchy of claims of who gets paid, right? And so we're talking about trying to recover assets from companies within companies. So these guys are part of this hierarchy of claims. They're going after companies within companies, or inside companies. A gigantic Russian dole of companies. It kind of is. And this is what Alexander Lok had to say about it. And one must then bear in mind that these subsidiaries themselves have their own creditors, including the uh, homeowners who, who, who bought units right, uh, in these different property developments. 
even from a legal standpoint, there is going to be an issue right, getting to these assets that you see in China. On top of the hierarchy of claims, on top of the companies within companies, there's the fact that a lot of this is going to be happening across borders. Right, because a Hong Kong court doesn't have jurisdiction in mainland China to find and sell those assets. That's correct. And in fact, this court ruling said that over 90% are in mainland China. Alexander says that they will probably even find more as they dig through the books of this Hong Kong company. It could take potentially years. So think of Lehman, how many years it took to kind of get through all the litigation. So I, I think that the scale of this company is no less than Lehman and would probably take some time for, for the liquidators to work through all the issues. John, I'm sorry, I don't actually know how long Lehman Brothers' liquidation took after the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, it was 14 years, for your information. Okay. And by the way, for this company, we're talking about, uh, you know, these these are legal issues. And that's before you even start to think about the politics of it all. As we talked about earlier, real estate, critical sector for China, the wealth of its citizens is tied up in real estate in their homes because there's limited mm -hmm. uh, ways that Chinese people can invest. To be blunt about it, there's potential for widespread civil unrest if the government mismanages the property crisis. And Evergrande's right at the heart of this crisis. And then on top of that, right now, you know, the Chinese economy is not in good shape. There's not a lot of confidence in it. So the government is being cautious. Okay, so very high stakes. And so to wrap up this liquidation, is it the economic disaster that you might fear from reading the headlines? I don't think it is. It's not the main Evergrande company. It's an arm of Evergrande. It's not all of Evergrande's debt. It's some of Evergrande's debt. Chasing it's going to be complex. It's going to take years. And the judgment doesn't necessarily affect the parent company in mainland China or Beijing's timeline, really, for fixing the property crisis. But it probably creates some pressure. And as the, these judgments filter down into sort of like third-tier cities in China where there are unfinished Evergrande housing projects and these folks offshore trying to extract some value, that's where the rubber really meets the road and there's going to be some friction and create a little bit of pressure probably. What I'm hearing is that the lawyers will definitely win from this. Ah, yes. Well, thank you so much, John Ruich. I really appreciate your insights. You're welcome. Happy to do it. This episode was produced by Cooper Katz for Kim with engineering by Sina Lafredo. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Keke Cannon is our editor and The Indicator is a production of NPR. This is my voice. It can tell you a lot about me. And I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash on investing or wherever you get your podcasts.